Daniel Gaslin is a pianist, a composer, and a Melbourneian now living in Paris. And he has a new album out called Change of Heart. And he is our very special guest on this episode of the Australian Jazz and Groove Podcast. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Australian Jazz and Group Podcast. My name is David Galea and I'm really excited to be back into it after a break for a few months and it's so exciting to think about some of the great artists we've got coming up very soon. And saying that, if you have a new recording or you have some new music that you would like to be played on the podcast, please get in touch with us at Australian Jazz and Group Podcast at gmail.com. Or if you have any requests of artists that you would love to hear on the podcast, then please don't be shy. Get in touch. You can also get in touch through Facebook or Instagram. Well, what do we have lined up for this episode? Well, as we said in the intro, we have as our very special guest, Daniel Gasson. Now, he's originally from Melbourne, but has been living now in Paris for some time. And he has a new recording out entitled Change of Heart with him and his crossover band. And he'll be talking to us about how this album came about, who the musicians are that he'd picked for this recording, and also what life as a full-time musician is like in Paris. We'll also hear new music from Melbourne bassist and composer Nick Haywood. Many of you would be familiar with Nick's work, fabulous bass player and composer. And he has a new recording coming out in September, actually September the 17th. And Nick has been so nice as to give us access to a track off that new recording to be featured here on the podcast. So look forward to that later in the episode. But to get us underway, let's hear from Brisbane funk group Cheap Fakes. And I just laugh that name. What a great name. And they also have a killer sound made up of Brisbane musicians Hayden Andrews, Scott Bignall, Samuel Mitchell, Ben Hack, funky bass player, Scott French, Joshua Appleby and Andy Ball. And here is a track from their latest recording, which was entitled Deep Space, and that was released in March of 2020. And this is a track called Shibuya. Stand bombs, 
So that was Brisbane band Cheap Fakes. What a great track that was. And if you'd like to keep in touch with what they're up to, their gigs, their music and so forth, go to cheapfakes.com.au. We've got a great website there and you'll be able to find out all about the band and what they're up to. So it's that time where we introduce our very special guest to the show, Mr. Daniel Gasson. And if you're not acquainted with his music... To get us acquainted, let's listen to a track off his latest album. And this is the title track from Change of Heart with his crossover band. So this is Change of Heart.
Daniel Gasson, welcome to the Australian Jazz and Groove podcast. Thank you very much for having me. No, it's great. And you're zooming in all the way in from Paris in lockdown at the moment, but we won't talk yes. too much about that. So no, let's, let's not think about that too much. Yeah, that's right. And you've got a new album out called Change of Heart. And just before we get to your album, you're living in Paris and have been there since 2013. How did you make the move over there? What was it that drew you to Paris as a musician and personally, um, well, I, I guess I mean as a as a starting point. I mean, I'm half French, that's why I have the French surname. I have that from my father's side, so I always have that kind of bicultural uh, aspect to me. Um, and and you know, I mean, I have been going back to that country since I was a kid. You know, just to see family and stuff like that. I, I studied there in exchange for seven months as well in Paris. So, I mean, it's a place that I have a lot of connection to personally for different reasons. And then as it happens personally, well, it's the kind of my personal circumstances that moved me there at the time as well in 2013, but it kind of suited me, uh, suited me pretty well uh, to, to make a, a transition into being a full-time musician and Paris is a great place and it's a great place. You know, you could argue maybe the best place to try to be a full-time jazz musician and, to yeah, live right. from that. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's a few different things, you know, and personal reasons and circumstances brought me over there and, you know, and, and, and then I kind of definitely really enjoyed it after, you know, a relatively short adaptation period, which was a bit tricky. And then after that really came to love the lifestyle here. And yeah, it's been almost eight years now, almost wow. eight years. So yeah, yeah, it's, uh, 
it's quite it's quite a thing but it is a really it is a really great country and a great city to be a musician and, and in particular a jazz musician i think yeah cool so how did growing up in melbourne prepare you for that to go and live in paris did it prepare you musically or no i mean way? i would say it probably didn't prepare me at all uh, i'd say because i mean australia is so different and i mean you know i, I know there have been a lot of things said about australia it's the clever country or whatever you know kind of poxy <laughs> things people said but when i think australia is definitely the lucky country yep. um and so i mean you know it's, it's an extremely nice place to grow up and to live uh, uh yeah i mean I, I, I think anyone who's fortunate enough you know to be an australian you, you know, if, if you travel a bit you realize that you are very fortunate to grow up in a country like that especially as a kid i think yeah, yeah. so i'm not i'm not sure i'm not sure australia prepares you for much of the, <laughs> the rest <laughs> of the world because it's quite a lot nicer um i think you know europe is obviously a, a kind of a much smaller place geographically but at a much bigger place kind of in every other sense of the of the word and, and you know it's a little bit tougher you know there's more competition uh, for spots, you know, in Australia, I mean, it's ch definitely changing, but, you know, Australia, you do have a bit more of a feeling of the fact that maybe, you know, there's a space, there's a space waiting for you in yeah. life or yeah. maybe just a car park on the street. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe there's a space waiting for you. And I can tell you that either, either in life or in parking, that's not the case when it comes to yeah. Europe. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's quite, it's quite different. I mean, I think it doesn't prepare you, but I think it's a good challenge actually to kind of get out of, kind of get out of this uh, Australia that can be sometimes a little bit of a small kind of comfortable bubble yep. Yep. Um, and and uh, uh, go somewhere where, you know, they certainly don't need another jazz pianist in Paris while well, they kind of got one anyway <laughs> and try to try to try to make a try to make some room for yourself. Uh, having said having said all that, I think that whilst, you know, life is probably a lot better materially in Australia for the vast majority of things i mean in terms of being a musician obviously i think you're a lot better off here in paris where you can really live from being a musician where i think especially in something niche like jazz i think it's nigh on impossible in australia yeah. to do only that so so is that so, how you make your living now in paris just purely yeah, playing yeah. jazz yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, I mean, there's not many, not many places in the world where you can really do that anymore. I don't think yeah, there's right. any in Australia. There's not many in the world, and and you know, it's a, it's a combination of factors because there's a bit more money and interest put towards culture uh, generally yep. on a societal and a governmental level in in France, uh, which makes it possible on a material level. Also, just makes it kind of quite a lot nicer psychologically on a day-to-day -day basis being yep. a musician and kind of feeling like you have a place in society yep you know rather than sometimes in australia i mean i don't want to generalize but you know sometimes in australia it can be a bit you know get a haircut and get a real job kind of thing especially i think in the current climate of the you know yep. past while um so yeah it's a it's a different thing and, and obviously the the the, the thing that makes it the, the major factor that makes it particularly livable just from performing is is the fact that the government does actually kind of support artists if you qualify if you do enough work then you enter into a government system where you, you're also supported by the government which is pretty huge in which a system like that only exists in france and belgium and pretty much nowhere else so yeah that's really cool it's a unique thing that makes it possible to be 
a full-time performing musician and, and, uh, you know, to devote yourself, you know, if you use that properly, then it gives you a lot of time to be creative. And, and I guess that's the fundamental premise underlying why the government supports artists. Yeah, cool. That's really interesting. So how did you actually break into the scene? Like, how did you actually do it? Like that could be quite a daunting thing. Yeah. Imagine to, to go to Paris yeah. and have to go, I'm going to break into this. Yeah, it can be daunting, uh, especially because I can tell you, like, there's a lot of musicians here, you know, and I mean, I kind of say this is a joke, but it's also true, just the amount of guys, and especially on an instrument like piano in France, like, there's just so many guys on this instrument who play really, really well, and I kind of, you know, obviously, like, even comparing it back home in Melbourne, which is, you know, I'd say the biggest scene in Australia, even then it's pretty small compared to Paris, like, Yep. And I kind of always made the joke that, like, you know, in terms of you count the amount of people, you know, piano players worth calling for a gig in Melbourne. And I figured that, you know, there's probably as many piano players in Paris called Laurent that are worth calling <laughs> than there are just piano players in Melbourne worth calling just because that's this, just for the size of the scene, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, it's kind of. Kind of, kind of funny. And it was a bit daunting, but I actually found it really exciting as well. It's just nice to, obviously, when you come to a bigger scene, it is very daunting, but also there's just so much to discover. So you can be a little bit like a kid in a candy store and there's just like so many more people, so many musicians to meet. And there's so many different, new and different places to play, uh, even just on a kind of daily, weekly thing at a club level, but also all these festivals because there's just so many here in France, it's kind of quite particular. There's just so many different, so many different places to play. Whereas in Australia, even in a town like Melbourne, you do tend to gravitate around the same couple of venues. Yeah, and right. uh, yeah, just the amount of different places to play is really exciting, and the, and the amount of musicians you know that you can potentially play with is really interesting as well because you know it's just the sheer number you can be quite specific about you you know i want exactly this kind of musician who has this and that maybe and just you know you 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 have the luxury of thinking i don't need to you have the luxury of not having to just pick musicians and maybe ask them how to play this way or ask them to play that way and instead just pick exactly who you want and just say play the way you play and that's exactly what you want so Yeah, I mean, it is very exciting. Um, it is daunting as well, but I, I found it very exciting. I was just out, you know, doing it. I did it the old school way. I did it the old school way. You'd go out there, hit all the jam sessions, which was, you know, varied in its pleasure, you know, sometimes <laughs> kind of amazing, sometimes appalling, and usually, you know, usually pretty decent somewhere in between. But, uh, yeah. and, you know, just do the time and get people hearing you, and, you know, you got to, yeah, it's kind of old school, you know, people don't know you, so they assume you're not worth knowing, they assume you suck, and that's why they don't know you, and so you have to, you get put playing with all the guys who don't play so well, and you got to find a way to cut through that and be heard, and then the next time they might, you know, the people who run the thing might mm-hmm. say, okay, come and play with with us, you know, Yep. and then they hear you properly, and then the next time they might say, oh, look, we need a piano player for this session, because, you know, again, like, because we have time and we don't have to be teaching you know, kids to make it pay the mortgage here. Like, uh, you know, people do sessions during the day. So they, you know, yeah. they might invite you and say, 
um, you know, come do this session with us, you know, just, you know, sight read a bunch of people's originals or run tunes or do whatever. And then maybe the next time they need someone for a gig, then they actually think of you, you know, so it's about, it's really very old school, but just cutting through, getting heard, you know, getting a bit of getting to know people and, you know, you know, you have to kind of be nice as well because it's, you know, yeah, <laughs> gone. Gone are the days. Gone are the days where you can be good but be a jerk and still get yeah, called. Yeah, yeah. So you got to be likable as well. You got to be. You got to be able to have a. You know, people got to be able to have a beer with you because otherwise, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that it's really it's as simple as that as old. You know, old school. Old school. But yeah, I, I guess it's it's probably no other way. Is there? You know, I mean, it's it's that kind no. of thing. It's another kind. It's another kind of thing where you pull out some qualification or something. No, not at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could imagine. I could imagine playing that much it must you must have noticed musically you, you you're playing sort of take off to another level really just from sheer volume of playing is that what happened yeah absolutely actually uh, i think there's two things there's sheer volume of playing and it's true that i just you know play a lot uh, a lot more well there's two there's a couple of different factors firstly like i started being a full-time musician so of course i was just touching the piano much more but it's true being in a performance situation and on a stage, whatever, five times a week, obviously there's a lot to be said for that. So you mm. kind of do become kind of match ready, you know, yep. definitely get the match fitness up. And I think just the fact that at least in terms of pure kind of instrumental level, the, the level is higher here. Yep. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say that it's higher in terms of, musicality or creativity or originality because i think there's some a lot of amazing stuff that happens in melbourne and australia but in terms of the pure instrumental level it is higher and i think that just kind of kicks your butt as well you know um and somehow yeah somehow you just kind of pushes everyone's kind of pushing each other up to another level i think that kind of happens on any scene where yep. the level is high and and so it's kind of almost by osmosis or something but it does kind of everyone's kind of bringing the best out of each other at least in a level and in, in, uh, yeah in terms of the level and i think that that does um yeah it just kind of I, I noticed it you know yep. i noticed it so yeah it's quite something and that's obviously a really great feeling to realize hold on you know i've had my butt kicked to us you know a better level of playing it's it's great it's exciting yeah, yeah. Does does classical music have much to do with that? Because in Europe, because I know obviously it's such an old music, but it's instrumental, and the and it seems to be that in Europe, jazz and and classical is almost taught together. I heard. Um, is that uh, yes. part of that? Do you think or not? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a good question. I think the classical music thing is, you know, when I kind of look at France a bit from the outside, and and I think so. Um, for better and for worse, I think. But yes, uh, I, I totally think that, you know, I think it's a very good question because I totally think that the whole classical thing is very pertinent. So in terms of, yes, yeah, certain instruments, again, you know, it's not going to be so pertinent to, I don't know, jazz drums or something, but certainly something like the piano. Yep. It's true that a lot of people are doing classical studies and just, you know, playing the instrument to a very, very high technical level. Uh, so there's the classical system. Also, you know, it's the culture here in France, you know, the, 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 obviously there's classical music, romantic music, all of that, uh, and all, all these major composers coming from France. Um, you know, it's part of the fabric 
of the French history, music. It? It's the history. It's the history. It is, and it's the history and the culture. And of course, that comes out in the playing as well. And that's also why the classical music is so strongly represented. And personally, I have another little theory: is that the French also are very. They love a competition. They love right. a competition, <laughs> and they love. They love kind of seeing who came first, who came last, what every giving everyone a score out of twenty, and all these kind of things. And um, you know, again, for better and for worse. Uh, you know, I guess it's why you know France are very good in a lot of sectors, whether it's I don't know technology, you know, aerospace technology or international sport. You know, I mean, yeah, for yeah. example, or, yep. again, I think that. And they're very interested in these competitions and they're, they're particularly interested in the winners of competitions. They're not so interested in who came second, which yep. I find regrettable. Um, but uh, And I think that's the flip side of it. And, and again, I think it doesn't always translate well to art and, you know, and to music. And within music, I think it certainly doesn't translate well to something like jazz. Yeah. Uh, so that's where I think it becomes a negative thing. But but yeah, all of that, you know, the classical stuff and then this competition stuff, which are all, all, often hand in hand, that kind of definitely filters through to the jazz and the, the way people think about it and the way they, what they prioritize in the music and what their standards of excellence are. Yeah.
I can imagine now that you were talking before about being able to ask a particular musician to play and just looking at your new recording, Change of Heart, you know, obviously in that melting pot you live in, how do you then pick the musicians for this band? And, and would you like to also talk about who they I are? I would. I mean, I mean, again, like I said, I'm, it's when, that's why it's, you know, such a fortunate thing to live in such a big city because, you know, you, you do have a bit of a smorgasbord, you know what I mean? And that's, yeah. so, I mean, it's a luxury that you can be a bit picky, choosing a bit more exactly what you want and who you want and someone who plays exactly the way you want and that you can get along with them and be on tour with them and have a beer with them and all of that. And yep. so, I mean, in any big scene, you're fortunate to have that smorgasbord. And I mean, yeah, it was a particular thing with this music because, I mean, I guess, you know, this is this music's a bit of a departure for me from what I've done in the past, which was, you know, kind of more, say, I guess, modern jazz, contemporary jazz, a couple of trio recordings and then a sextet recording. Yep all instrumental and this all of a sudden is kind of like a an intersection between you know between again modern modern jazz but also like you know kind of more kind of contemporary influences rhythmically yep. straight beat or whatever or neo soul or whatever you might want to call it and it's vocal music as well so there's songs so i mean it's quite a departure and in terms of in terms of the musicians um Given that the music is kind of very hybrid, um, it was really great to be able to get musicians who have this ability to play in different styles as well. Yeah, and yep. and, and who and who have this kind of baggage in a couple of different areas, which is really great. And I guess, for example, I mean, if if you look through. In particular, I, I mean, even my band is a bit hybrid, actually, because, I mean, as it is, it, the other four musicians are two Americans and two French. Yep, I noticed um, that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, 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 yeah, I think um, I think that uh, when, when I look at, for example, Alita Moses, the, the, the vocalist on this album, I mean, I kind of got to know her a little bit by accident being called by her to do some big gig in Zurich where she was coming from New York. And, and, and I guess we did a couple of these big gigs and the second time around, you know, I think the first time I just realized how amazing a singer and a performer and a musician she was. And then I think the second time I was like, hold on a minute, like she would be absolutely amazing for this music apart from her kind of general awesomeness. Like she just yep. stylistically, because she's someone who's got this very, very strong back background in jazz uh, you know I mean she went and won the Montreux jazz competition for example which kind of you know gives an idea of her level at a yeah. very young age 23 or 24 I think when she won it and then and but now she's kind of really kind of emerging as like a neo soul kind of star in in uh, in New York I think she, I think she's supposed to be playing with Jacob Collier or something she was saying right. and maybe she's already touring with like Chris Bodie or something like that so yeah, she cool. because she she spans these two styles perfectly so what better person to have on the music and again when you when you look at the guitarist just so woodson uh, he, uh, he he lives in paris like me he's been here eight years and um you know he he's someone again who can play everything in the that in in this kind of musical tradition which is you know something very interesting and i think something actually that you see maybe more in the american musicians compared to maybe the french who are a little bit more segmented or you know pigeonholes i don't know yep. you look at someone like 
Josiah and I mean, not only can he play a bunch of different instruments, which is already kind of amazing and a little bit obnoxious at times, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, you know, he can play, he can sing everything. He's not singing. He can, he can play everything from, uh, you know, from blues, gospel, church and all of that. And then, you know, he's mostly a jazz guy, obviously, but he can play, you know, soul, funk, yep. whatever, everything up until now. And I think, you know, so again, I think that makes it really, really appropriate to have him playing this playing this music as well. And I think that's something I kind of have learned in the last few years as well from touring with American musicians is kind of the way that they see the music more as a kind of global evolution and, and as a continuum rather than something that's a bit more segmented and labelized. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I'm glad you said that because I think, not that this is a criticism, but Australians often like to pigeonhole musicians. I know that happened a bit in Brisbane. You either were on the pop scene and you're in the, you're yes. in the, you're in the the wedding band, but you never really got to get called for a, a jazz or a funk or a fusion gig or something like that. Yeah. And I think that that and hearing Josiah play on your album, and I read that he played with Beyonce, and not that that really matters, but that, to, to think that he can cross over into those areas and then you can actually hear it in the music when he plays it. Like you can hear he's got like this great jazz vocabulary, but then he's yeah. also killing it with this sound that could quite easily slip into a Beyonce track. So I think yeah, that's really that's right. interesting. Yeah, yeah he's, he's very bright, especially when you think that his first instrument is actually trumpet, but you know, that's yeah, another right. thing. <laughs> is that guitar, is his, guitar is his second instrument of several, but... but um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it is very interesting. I mean, I, I'm not sure he ever played with Beyonce, but he did win a Grammy. He he's doing the did the horn arrangements on the right, on, okay. love on, on on Love on Top, which was a big hit. Um, but it's true that, that that goes back to your point that he's got all of that vocabulary. And you know, I guess it is interesting when you have someone who goes through and you know plays all the church stuff and then plays all the jazz stuff and then plays all the pop stuff. And you know, I mean, I know that he's done world tours with you know rappers and i know he's done world tour with boy george you know and stuff yeah, like right. that so i mean it's true that it is i think i don't know i see something i kind of the more i think about it like the the more i something i learned when i did this workshop in banff in canada like in back in 2008 and did a listening session with with kind of great drummer and percussionist dan weiss and i just realized okay. wow <laughs> when you look at the breadth of what people listen to i think the more open you are in terms of what you listen to the maybe the more potential you have yep. to do something interesting yourself um and certainly certainly it allows uh certainly it allows you to be very comfortable playing a hybrid kind of music, uh, yep. uh, like like what I've come up with here on this latest offering. So yeah, so just thinking about writing lyrics and going into that world, did, did, yes. did that does that something that you did before you met Alita, or was it always something you wanted to do? Was that was what you wanted to add to your music? The next um, step. Now, actually, the lyrics thing, uh, there's only one song that I've done, which is actually the title track, which I did the lyrics to. And and actually, uh, the other tunes, the, uh, there's, there's four other tracks and two, the lyrics were written by a great Australian singer, which I'm sure a lot of listeners will be familiar with, and a friend of mine called Josh Kyle. Yep. Uh, and he did the lyrics to a couple of tracks, and then I did the lyrics with another 
uh, another sing American singer in Paris called Cholo Odessa and so and she, so really I found myself with lyrics written for me with uh, on on four of the tracks uh, and then I did actually try my hand at lyrics uh, for this other one myself and it's yeah I mean I I mean I don't know. <laughs> Other people will be the judge of whether they're any good. I, I didn't find it massively hard. I, I kind of, it's never something I really thought of, but somehow it makes sense because I kind of always had like, I, I never developed it, but I always had a talent for creative writing. And I, I know that my teachers in school always told me that and writing is something that I'm good at. And I, you know, I was good at that in my previous life in Melbourne and, um, and even as a kid, you know, whatever, doing creative writing assignments. And so, there is a certain logic to finally actually writing some words to my notes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it turned out not too bad, uh, you know, but, you know, I, I'm no expert when it comes to songwriting. So, you know, other people will be the judge. And then again, it doesn't really matter if you like what you hear, like you can't deny if you like what you hear, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's what it boils down to. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, do you like what you hear and does it make you feel something? And, you know, exactly. I, you know, obviously our job as professional musicians is to try to analyze that because it's a learning process. I mean, it's, we don't, I think a lot of people, especially they, they like to think about jazz musicians, especially somehow as some sort of, intellectual esoteric people and the fact that we analyze things is because we're intellectual and esoteric i disagree with that i mean we just analyze we just kind of actually it's just like wow that sounds really rad now i want to know why does it sound <laughs> rad and that's all that and that's all that analysis is you know it's just saying why does this sound rad so that i can try to sound kind of really good as some, rad some other time as rad or <laughs> half as rad <laughs> yeah exactly it's so, so true because i think you know like there's the whole stereotypical jazz musician esoteric yeah. thing you just talked about but then at the end of the day all we want to do is play stuff we we as you said think is rad exactly that we dig you know <laughs> yeah, so it's, exactly it's not that right. complicated it's, it's not like, that complicated but, yeah. but that's what analysis is is like really but really it's it maybe it's the word analysis or something like that you know thinking yep. in australia it's always I think it's always dangerous territory in Australia, unfortunately, to talk about something that's intellectual or analytical or something. But it's just like, yeah, that's how I say it. It's just like, you know, if if you say oh, I'm analysing this music straight away, people are going to go, oh, yeah, that's typical jazz people. They're just yeah. all in their head and just doing this whatever stuff. Actually, but, you know, if you say it the way I just said it, it's just like, no, it's just finding something that sounds rad and you want to try to make it sound yeah, at least right. half as rad for yourself. <laughs> and I think everyone else would agree with that. They'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, that's a real musician, you know, just do it how you feel or whatever. But really, it's just the same thing, just exactly, presented yeah. in a different way. <laughs> Never goes a day away.
So when you write the music, do you write the the melodies and the tunes first and then put lyrics to it? Is that what you did in this um, case? Yeah, look, that in this case, that's what happened with all of the music, uh, all of the music, whether it was my lyrics or others. Um, I would say maybe the second track, So It Goes, was the closest thing to a co- uh, There was a bit of a co-write. I remember that happened in okay. Brunswick or, around my piano with Josh, I remember, and I was cat sitting at the time, this cat jumping around the piano and knocking over vases and stuff at the same time, <laughs> I remember. But uh, but that, that was a pretty close to a co-write. Um, and, but as a general rule, the process definitely was that I had these instrumental tunes and then I had lyrics put on them either, over the top by Josh, for example. That was certainly the case with my tune crossover, which has, you know, been a kind of a bit of a mainstay for me and that you know there was a always an instrumental tune trio and then I put it back in in sextet format and then I changed it quite a lot for this uh this album um but yeah he came with the lyrics afterwards yep uh and and same thing with with Shola I had instrumental versions of the first track and the last track a refugee of you and rising tide and she's put the lyrics on and, and yeah in terms of the title track same thing. I, I had it as an instrumental. I performed it as an instrumental tune trio and, and quartet. And then I thought, you know, in the context of putting all this music together in an album, which was, you know, a vocal album, I thought, you know, well, let's put some, let's put some lyrics to it, especially because, you know, I had some, you know, I had a thought behind, you know, the whole theme of the, of the album and of the music and of that, tune in particular which is the title track and, you know it's just kind of like the turning point of the music it's in the middle yep and so i thought well you know certainly had something to say about it and a story to tell so let's you know let's try the hand at actually writing some lyrics we haven't mentioned these guys yet but but fabricio nicolas garcia on bass and yep. Dam- damian franco Franken, sorry, I don't know, probably got also, that wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah you there did, you go. But, but that's all right. But it's French, so it's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like they, you could tell they, they were so locked in. What was it about those guys that you just loved on the album? Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's similar things. There's guys that I just met doing sessions. I mean, I met Fabricio doing some session of impossibly hard music for this alto player that we kind of busted our backsides learning and never gigged <laughs> but yeah, you know right. whatever it does whatever doesn't kill you makes makes you stronger yeah uh, but i you know that's how you meet people and it's like you know this guy's really cool but also i just really love the way he plays and he's so um i mean yeah being franco-colombian he has a, a particular thing because he's got all the whole french music tradition and you know again you know having won some nice prizes at some top conservatorium. So, so, you know, he's got all the classical and technical side and, you know, great intonation, great sound and all this, but he's got the Colombian side where, you know, he can play all of that, you know, from his culture and, 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 you know, he he can play everything, can play electric as well, even though he doesn't in my band uh, and, and yeah, and, you know, great time and everything. And so again, someone who's very rounded and very, open to a lot of different styles, but not just open. I mean, he's able to execute convincingly yeah, <laughs> several, yeah. a lot of different styles and also just has a great jazz culture, like an out and out straight ahead jazz culture. Yeah. So apart from being a very good mate as well. So, I mean, you know, that I kind of, when we met and started, you know, I said, I want to play with this guy a bit more. And then we kind of hit it off and kind of became my first call bass yeah. player here. Yeah. 
and uh, and yeah, with with Damien as well. You know, he's someone who, although you know, having a big jazz culture has definitely done. You know, he's done even some rock and pop and stuff before really moving to to jazz. And he's someone who moved to Paris after me, actually. Even though he's a right. he's a out and out Frenchy, he was from the south of France near near the Spanish border and. You know, I was kind of, I don't know, I was kind of one of the first guys, I think, I'll pat myself on the back for this, but I think I was probably just about the first guy in Paris to identify how good a drummer he was. Yep. Um, and I was probably the first guy to start booking him for gigs and tours. And I just, again, just really liked, really liked, well, the way he plays because he plays so well and modern and all that, but I also really liked his sensibility. I remember doing a gig, trio gig, playing some stuff from, you know, from the older albums, but in this big hall, you know, great for me is like a huge hall and the Steinway and big Steinway yep. D and whatever, <laughs> but like, but, you know, for a drummer, not fun and, yeah, yeah. and you know, <laughs> just becomes a big wash. And, and I just remember him also just saying, you know, just, just adapting his playing completely, which, you know, is kind of selfless, you know, definitely taking one for the team and, you know, maybe have a little bit less fun, but it's doing what the music requires. And I, I just also really appreciate you know, the fact that just putting the music before your ego, yeah, which is something that is always a little bit in rare supply and he's able to, yeah, apart from his level, uh, he's always able to do whatever the, the the music requires. And also you can do some really complex stuff rhythmically as well. I think he used to, I think he has a, some sort of diploma in physics as well before doing the <laughs> jazz. So, so I think, you know, all that mathematical stuff. So he, he is analyzing everything as you go. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely is analyzing things. I mean, again, you know, and yeah, he's definitely analyzing things mathematically. I mean, I think these day and age, I think what drummer doesn't, you know. That's right. Like, yeah, he's he's pretty strong in that department. Yeah. So why, just listening to you speaking about yeah. these guys, it's really evident that getting on with them, having a beer with them, being their mate is really important. How does that translate musically, do you think? Because I've asked this question a few yeah. people before, but I mean, what, I how does it that, for you? I think to me, I mean, I think it translates really obviously. I think I probably in any kind of music it has to be. But I guess in jazz, which is a music where there's such a large scope for individual expression, everything is a choice. I mean, you know, I'm sure, you know, maybe if there's the guy sitting next to you in the string section of some symphony orchestra, you think he's a jerk, but you're going to still play together. Yep. You know, I mean, I'm sure it still has an effect, but it's not as broad as like, the, the, I guess the more improvisational potential there is in music, then then the more potential there is for everyone's individual personality to come out at any time in terms of what they play, what they don't play, do they play too much, not enough, too loud, not loud enough, you know, yep. all of this kind of stuff. You know, it's like having a conversation, you know, do you have a conversation with someone who doesn't hit the ball back over the net or who talks all the time or who talks over the top of you, who interrupts you or, you know, or just, you know, really clicks. And and so, I mean, for me, just because of the scope in jazz in particular for improvisation and therefore the constant decision-making in every second of the music just makes it the personality aspects come through so strongly. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's just it is just really important to be able to get along with with everyone in the band, and you know, especially if you're a bit of a sensitive type, which I can be, you know, personality wise, you, you can really feel all those kind of vibes as well. So, 
yeah, yeah. but I, I think it's critical. I think it's critical for me. It's basically for me. It's one and the same, really. Like personality and the way you play music for me, it's one and the same. So, what do you got coming up for the album release? The the main thing I have planned, of course, at the moment is the launch of the album, the the, yep. the album release concert. So, I mean, the the album, you know, will launch, you know, at, you know, in the in the sense of being available everywhere. You yep. know, in in stores in France and online, of course, everywhere that'll happen in on Friday in four days' time, twenty third April. Uh, in terms of, and and then the plans, of course, will be to get some media coverage of the album. So yeah, you know, thank sure. you, thank you for your part in that. No and, worries. Uh, and, it's great and, to have and, you uh, <laughs> And and also uh, the the other the the main date coming up, you know. COVID permitting will be the 15th of June launch date at the, at the Duc des Lombards, which is kind of, you know, the big club here in Paris and here in France, you know, it's kind of the jazz lab of Paris, we'll say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. And any plans to hopefully bring the music to Australia once things open up or at this point, yeah. just sort of on the back burner? Look, I would, I don't know. I, I need to, uh, look, I really want to get the music to Australia and it's really, it's a matter of, when and not if uh, I really want yeah. to bring it to Australia, I need to figure out when that might be possible. Because it, it, at the moment, it's looking like you know not tomorrow. Exactly. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I have every intention. I have every intention of bringing it to Australia and, and touring it. You know, I, I I would love to. You know, I'm, I'm proud of this album, and I would, you know, I would love to come back with this music and and tour it around Oz, uh, and you know major cities and and really kind of you know very, very much looking forward to presenting the music back home yeah cool so 23rd of april 2021 can people go to Bandcamp? is that the best place to go uh yeah yep yeah, yeah, yeah you definitely go to Bandcamp. uh so that's yep that's a good place and also my website yep so you yep. can either or Bandcamp or the website and you can you know, grab a, a digital only or a physical copy. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Daniel, for being a part of the Australian Jazz and Groove podcast and for taking the time. Thank you for having me. It's, no, it's so a good. And all the best with the album. It's such a great album. And really, I encourage everyone to go and buy a copy at danielgasson.com. I think that's correct. Yeah, that is correct. All right. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, yep, hope everyone has a listen and, and enjoys the music.
good today, but really, where's the guarantee? Not this, not now. Nothing's for sure, but we're here.
So that was Daniel Gasson's track, Rising Tide, taken from Change of Heart. And it was so cool to catch up with Daniel and have a chat about that album and life in Paris. Well, I can't believe we've done nearly 14 episodes and we have never played a track from James Muller, the great Australian guitarist and composer, one of my favorite. So let's remedy that situation and enjoy a track taken from his 2015 release entitled Neurotica. And this track is called Dogs in Calcutta and features James on guitar, Desmond White on bass and Ben Vanderwall on drums. It also features Sean Whalen on keys. So this is Dogs in Calcutta.
So that was Dogs in Calcutta, taken from James Muller's 2015 recording, Neurotica. So now we have come to some new music. And as we mentioned at the outset, new music from Nick Haywood, Melbourne bassist and composer. And he has a new recording out on September the 17th, 2021, that will feature his trio made up of himself on bass, Colin Hopkins on piano and Nico Schauble on the drums. Now this recording also features a special guest, that is Petra Hayden, who is the daughter of the late great American composer and bassist Charlie Hayden. Now this recording is beautiful, recorded here in Melbourne by Nico himself while Petra was visiting. So sit back and enjoy a very special sneak peek of the very first track on the album called Shenandoah and it's sang as we said by Petra Hayden.
Wow, what a beautiful track that was. And what a fantastic collection of beautiful musicians. As we mentioned at the outset, Nick Haywood, Colin Hopkins and Nico Schauble, along with Petra Hayden singing that track. Well, it's that time again when we bring the show to an end and it's been so fantastic to have you along. I hope you've enjoyed the music and a big thank you to Daniel Gasson for taking the time to talk to us from Paris about his new album, Change of Heart. So please go out and buy that album or any other music that you've enjoyed on this episode or others. By buying the artist's music, you are showing your greatest support for them. So please continue to do that. And as we said, if you have any new music you'd like featured on the podcast, please get in touch at Australian Jazz and Group Podcast at gmail.com. Well, that's enough from me. Until the next episode of the Australian Jazz and Group Podcast, it's bye for now.